Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever time you are tuning in. Welcome to Homesteading and Gardening in the Suburbs. I'm Emma from Misfit Gardening and it's been a hot minute since we talked and that, my friend, is because I caught COVID and I'm still recovering from it now. Um, So my apologies if my voice sounds weird or any coughing or throat clearing that you might here or anything like that in this kind of being a short episode I'm really taking things one day at a time um it's been a very rough three weeks and I'm pretty scattered and um you know still having some of those after effects but enough about me I want to kind of talk about the garden um in this episode and what are some of those things that um, you know went well and what didn't and some potential improvements for next season because um, we're definitely on the way into winter here now there's been some um, definitely chilly chilly nights and um, we're really starting to see that in in the garden itself so um, I want to start with the tomatoes first and <clears throat> we had a lot rot on the vine because you know, we weren't able to get out to them and harvest them and process them before they spoiled with us being so sick. Um, also, we had lots of problems with tomato hornworms and deer. Um, those had a grand, grand old feast um, and we kind of weren't able to get to a lot of them. Um, but some, you know, definitely did better than others so we were able to beat the groundhog to um, some of the tomatoes at least and there was some obvious obvious clear successes and tomato varieties that way 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 outperformed um, some of the others so naturally I've saved seeds from those early producers so those plants that had ripe tomatoes that came in before the rest Um, I've saved seeds from the biggest tomatoes um like the crazy huge tomato that i posted on the facebook group um the one that was like half the size of my face um i've been saving seeds from those some of the other really big tomatoes but specifically those plants that grew a number of big fruits on the same plant so i took some of those ripe ones and saved the seeds off um out of those tomatoes um we had a paste tomato that grew better like way better than my usual beloved Amish paste Um, and these other varieties of paste tomatoes did um, better than the Roma tomatoes too we also had really good success with tomatoes that were pink yellow and bicolored and those did very well indeed and um, the names of those that grew well kind of escapes me right now uh, partly because my garden journal is playing a game of hide and seek from me Um, I really hope I didn't leave it randomly in the garden that would be terrible because we've had a lot of rain um, recently Um, but I suspect it's um, probably somewhere really um you know sensible (laughs) i've left it probably not um given that you know whenever we can't find something like we always make jokes about like did you look in the freezer or did you look in the pantry um which seems to be very much where we end up find random things but that's (laughs) by the by um but some of those that i i think are the ones that performed well were 
Papa, Supernova, Madison uh, County Pink, Star, Black Icicle, <clears throat> 1884, Mortgage Lifter, Pineapple, Sabbatic Plenty and Neptune. And although the Sabbatic Plenty was not the varieties that produced ripe tomatoes first, it was a variety that had consistently good yield so it had good you know kind of small slicer type tomatoes that were on there um but it grew a lot of them and um they they've produced very consistently throughout the season um i believe that variety is supposed to be determinant so they're supposed to kind of ripen all at the same time but that has not been the case um in my garden even the romas which were a determinate variety that um, they've all been sort of slowly turning and um, ripening on the vine. So that's been kind of interesting um, because when I grew the Romas in Utah, they ripened all at the same time. Um, so that's interesting um, for, for my garden that I've seen. Um, so those are the ones that I think they are and <clears throat> I'll be sure to um post the list in the facebook group of all of the varieties that i grew out as part of this first year trial in developing um my tomato land races and um i'll make sure to actually you know highlight those that grew well and that have had the seeds saved um from them so i'll confirm that later and um just as we adapt to the land and how to grow grow food successfully here in Maine like developing our own land races and seed varieties will help build in that better ability to adapt to the climate the plant diseases and pests so I'm saving seeds from those plants which don't show any signs of blight on them or they don't show other diseases which are prone for that particular plant and in fact really you know for the tomatoes only a couple of tomatoes actually started showing signs of disease and um, I think a lot of that's because we've had the cool weather coming in I mean it was in the upper 30s the other night um, here so I'm expecting to see that now um, my hubby will not be expecting baskets of green tomatoes for us to process um, but I'm thinking things like green tomato and zucchini chutney to make the most of those um, unless you've got some really great bulk green tomato recipes then please let me know in the Facebook group because I've got a lot of them and I'm pretty sure they're not going to be ripening now I could do the trick of pulling up the whole tomato plant and then hanging them upside down to dry out and ripen somewhere and um, the only problem with that and the reason why I don't want to do that is I'm a little concerned about bringing rodents in and really the only places that I could put that would be the basement which I really don't want um you know rats and things being attracted to that because we've got a field stone basement so you know it's already easy for critters to get in and then the other place is my husband's wood shop and he is not going to want to have um, tomato plants in there. Although the barn cats live in there, so I don't know. But I think probably the better thing to do for us would be to harvest those green tomatoes, um, maybe leave some somewhere sunny on the south facing uh, windows, maybe on a table so they can 
ripen um steadily over over time and then process some um i do like myself the occasional fried green tomato um but i think we have got um at least at least a bushel of tomatoes um that are out there probably more so um yeah let me know if you have any any good recipes um in terms of the plans, sorry, for next um, season, my apologies for my, my voice, guys. This is really actually quite difficult to record. Um, but the plan for next season with the tomatoes is going to be to really focus on growing out these seeds that I have saved in the new no-dig garden. I'm not going to be growing over 100 plants next year. I'm probably going to be focusing on 20 to 25 plants at the most. Um, and that's to really give us, you know, plenty of these varieties that have grown well and have multiple of those, um, you know, because we want to make sure that you know, we've got enough of these to have a lot of diversity and be able to save seeds from multiple plants. Um, but also I want to have a little bit of, of room to be able to grow out some other varieties to try. So I want to try growing out some of my husband's favourites again, like the purple Cherokee, the black creme, and um, maybe also try growing some you know, other short season varieties that might be out there to try um, or, you know, maybe seed swap with somebody for some other short season varieties. So I want to have some um, wiggle room to be able to keep trialing things because that's that's really what I'm wanting for my land races, those, you know, stellar performers within a short season. Um, but, you know, I like having different um colors and flavors and textures and things and we make a lot of our tomatoes into sauce and i think this year's sauce has been the best um you know what what we made before um i ended up losing my taste was absolutely amazing and um i'm i'm very happy with that and a lot of that's come from having this you know beautiful diverse mix of um tomatoes in there so Next year I'll be growing out these ones that have grown well and trying some other ones. Let's talk about um, potatoes because they have been very small yields and most of that has been because the deer came in and ate the foliage on the potatoes. Um, so because they've not had enough foliage to be able to absorb the sunlight, um, they've really not grown very well. So we've got a lot of baby potatoes um, but we planted a lot of um, potatoes and even though like the number of potatoes you know per seed potato planted was small like and they're all very small potatoes overall we're actually having a pretty good um, you know harvest and you know sometimes there's plants with good sized potatoes and some small baby potatoes and really those small baby potatoes are perfect for canning you know canning those up in the pressure canner um or roasting and stuff you know they've they've been great um i'm digging them out slowly but surely um i know i posted in the facebook group um when i actually let you guys know like hey i'm somewhat back back to normal um 
somewhat <laughs> um but it is it's it's very very slow slow going for harvesting things at, at the moment um certainly for me um but also the potatoes themselves came down with blight very early in the season and i was really astounded that the tomatoes were spared and didn't didn't get it um but for potatoes next year i i'm definitely going to be looking for some dependable blight resistant varieties that i can get here in maine um, and i'm also going to go um back and look for um the purple viking variety again we didn't grow it this year um and i originally grew it in utah as a novelty but it it ironically turned out to be one of our favorites and we really missed having um it to eat this year so that variety is going to go back on the list and really as as you're going through your garden and reflecting on what worked and what didn't and what you want to grow again it's a really um it's a good idea to start listing your seed shopping um you know so you know what it is when that seed catalog shows up or that email comes through to let you know like hey you know we're starting to take orders and stuff like you know exactly what you need to get right that's that's one way where we can somewhat rein ourselves in with our gardening hobby um is knowing what it is that we we need versus a want um and speaking of needs um garlic orders should be starting now for a lot of seed companies um and the bare root fruit nut and berries are also going to be starting so know what it is that you need um so you can budget and buy those before they they sell out like the the last thing that you want to do is like try and buy everything and then you're stuck with oh, what am i gonna do with all of this where where can i put it you want to certainly when it comes to um your orchard type of things you know go slow figure out where it is that you're wanting to put things and make sure that you've got things that are going to appropriately cross pollinate so you know i've got a <coughs> sorry a whole oh oh dear i'm terribly sorry <clears throat> um i've got a whole list of things um sitting um waiting for me to you know hit the go button on for um fruits nuts and, and berries this year um but actually i'm going to be doing something a little different and sitting down with my husband and going through like hey these are the things that i've shortlisted um what are the things that you know we're both wanting from from this property and um you know what's going to make the most sense for us because certain things like certain nuts like walnuts and things they can take 10 years 20 years before they are actually producing a harvest and certainly if you are older and listening to this that might not be something that you are going to um you know get a benefit from it might be something that other members of your family do um or you know if you sell the property you know other people who um end up living here so there's a few things like that that we want to discuss um we definitely want to get some more american chestnuts because we have an american chestnut on our property um and we want to have some other plants growing there to help with some pollination and really see that tree that we have there um, being able to reproduce and uh, and thrive so um that'll, that'll be good but when it comes to apples i have got a lot of apples and a lot of pears um, and a lot of peaches and plums 
and blueberries and I have a lot of stuff going in there but going through um them with different family members and having like their input on it like for apples is it an apple that they like the sound of the description is the use of the apple something that you are likely to actually use right i you know are you going to be making cider does cider apples make sense for your family or should you just more get fresh eating apples do you not really like fresh eating apples but you prefer to cook them right so having some of those discussions but also is the actual fruit like looking at the fruit something that you are um likely to want to eat like for me i love russets and um the the pippins and bramleys um bramleys are like a massive cooking apple that are very popular in the uk um i've never seen them here and i keep looking keep looking for my bramley seedling um tree so i can have one over here um but you know things like granny smith apples are eating apples in the uk they're not a um, a pie apple particularly so like when I'm looking for cooking apples I'm looking for things that are kind of you know sharp they've almost got like an effervescent kind of taste to them um, so I'm, I'm looking for something a bit different in my cooking apples versus something that my my husband and my family are looking for so anyway I digress um, but that is something that you know even with seeds and you're looking at things that grew well in your garden and things didn't did you try a new variety of something and you didn't really like how it tasted or you didn't really like you know the shape of it or you know it was <clears throat> um you know a different um you know it looked completely different from what you were expecting and you didn't really find it appealing to eat for example maybe you had a very warty squash that was growing and you just you really didn't want to eat it because it looked like something was wrong with it that's totally fine um and it's having those kind of conversations with family members um that will not only you know help them be involved within the process of you deciding what it is that you're going to grow um but also helping them be comfortable with trying something new in terms of fruits and veggies and things <clears throat> there was um oh there was there was a variety of something that i grew and um it might have been was it eggplant maybe might have been eggplant i think it was an eggplant and it like the the color of it wasn't very appealing for my family it didn't look like it was ripe i think it was like one of those green green eggplants and it was hard to tell whether it was ripe or not so it just kind of sat on the vine and didn't really do anything and i i mean it was it was a variety that we'd picked up at a store you know it was like one of those potted transplants and stuff but we we never we never even ate it because we couldn't tell um when it was ready to harvest so i mean things like green tomatoes and stuff like that i tend to stay away from those varieties that are green just because it's hard to tell um when they're ripe and you know certainly if you're sending out a family member to help harvest stuff and they have no idea um you know what it is that they're looking at um having things that are you know easy to tell like okay this tomato is red this is ripe this one's yellow this is ripe um you know this oh it might have been a great white tomato now i come to think of it 
rather than an eggplant and yeah we just couldn't couldn't tell whether it was riper or not or it looked like the, there was something wrong with it so nobody nobody really ate it but you know for another family those those are qualities that you might be looking for you want something unusual and um you know you really enjoy the flavors and things of those remember it's your garden and it's your homestead and you know you grow it and grow the things in it that that you want to see um, let's talk about corn. Um, corn did not fare well for me this year at all. And I suspect it's because, number one, I got the corn out in the ground too late and I grew it directly from seed in the ground. Um, I also got out my winter squashes late and they didn't grow. So um, I think getting the seed out late, but also a lack of watering during those early stages really meant that we have not got anything um, to eat in terms of corn. If I had some chickens and stuff, there's a little bit there, um, you know, for them to kind of have as a snack. Um, but we do have plenty of carbon rich material for the compost heap this year. So, you know, that's a bonus. It's not all a complete waste. Um, but for next season, I'm, I'm going to be looking for short season sweet corn varieties and short season popcorn. Um, I'm likely to source corn seeds directly here in Maine um, so that some of that climate adaptation is already shared in the seeds. And that's kind of what I'm looking for as I'm creating these land race varieties is I want things that adapt and grow well here. Um, so by getting seeds like from a company here in Maine um, means that I'm more likely to have some of that, you know, adaptability to this short season and the climate um i also think that growing in the more fertile moisture retaining um <clears throat> no dig garden beds are gonna help um i have a number of corn seeds for field corn so things like flower corn and dent corn varieties um i won't be growing those out until you know we have consistent livestock um because it's primarily going to be a feed for the livestock but also um i don't want to be growing those until we've got our kitchen remodeled on um because you know i want to be able to have a place where i can actually process the corn turn it into flour and then you know cook with it um you know that's going to be the best way to do it i mean i've got these beautiful like blue flower corn things and all of these great ideas of what to do with it but i don't want to grow grow it and then not have a place to actually process it and use it so um as that's a good tip for you to consider for your garden next year like is this something that you have you know you're able to grow but also is this something that you actually have the things in place to be able to use like sorghum for example um you know you can eat the seeds from sorghum as a grain um but also the canes themselves can produce syrup um and it's delicious and um you know do you have the things in place to be able to process those canes to turn it into um syrup or is that something else that you've got to um invest in now one big success that i had um this year was i was finally finally able to grow a um a summer squash and this particular variety gelba english custard i have been trying um to grow for uh, at least five or six years so i'm really really happy i was able to grow it well here um 
I've got a couple of fruits sitting on the plant that I'm hoping to save seeds from but I don't know because it's been you know we've had some real cold weather um, over the last couple of nights I might just have to buy new seeds as I've got none left now but I know it doesn't necessarily sound like I'm really excited but I, I am very excited that those finally grew and they were so good um, I'm also really happy to see that Romanesco, Cocozelle, or Cocozelli, um, Black Beauty and Golden Zucchini all grew very well. Um, they're producing now, so they're producing a lot later in the season um, than like the zucchini that my neighbours had. That grew a lot earlier in the season, um, but they grew things from, from transplants. And they had much maturer plants going out into the ground, whereas I grew directly from seed. Um, my neighbours uh, also were very flush um, with beans this year. Um, my beans finally gave me a couple of handfuls to harvest yesterday. Um, so that was very, very um, exciting for me. And they were delicious. I was eating a couple of those straight off the vine. Um, but my neighbours have been flush with beans all, all this year. Um, so I'm going to be seeing about getting the same variety that they grew. And I want to see how those grow for me next year as well. Um, melons and watermelons have died back since the temperatures really dropped um, on a night. And really only two of the melons that we've had have been edible. Um, I saved the seeds from those that were edible to grow next year. Um, the watermelons I'm leaving a little bit. I've had to pull them off the plant because the plants died back. Um, but I'm going to be leaving them a little bit more before I open them up just to see if I can get the seeds to mature a bit. Um, the plan is for next year that I'm going to be sowing these saved seeds to help develop a variety that will grow and produce fruits in the short season. Um, after a couple of seasons of doing that, I should be able to start saving seeds from fruits that have the beginnings of the taste that I'm looking for. Right now, I can't taste anything still. Um, so I'm just saving seeds anyway. And then I will look to saving seeds from things that tasted really good. Um, a little bit later in that um, land race development and seed selection process. Um, that's just how I've got to adapt and, and save seeds this year. Um, normally I would be saving seeds from things that, you know, grew and tasted good. But right now I'm just having to look at, did it grow? <laughs> so uh, that's that's a little crazy adaptation that we're having to make at the minute um peppers have been very interesting this year in the garden we have had a great harvest of hot jalapeno peppers and some other varieties that i grew that were very hot and spicy unexpectedly so like my husband would often go out into the garden pick a jalapeno and he'll just eat it fresh off the the plant and he did that with some of the others and there was some like teeny tiny peppers that we had and he kind of like grabbed one of those thinking that you know oh we'll just see how this was and it was a bit of a face melter for him um so we've had some um interesting varieties that were super super hot um so he was he was very very happy um we've even had poblano peppers grow well for us this year so my house husband has been a very happy boy um our tomatillos grew and um, we've had a 
good couple of harvests off those and um, our CSA grew tomatillos as well so he has been able to make fresh salsa and enjoy it um, so he has been super happy about that um, the critters unfortunately ate our sweet peppers so I have not had a harvest of sweet peppers um, judging by the hoof prints it has been the local deer that have eaten um, our sweet peppers and that leads me to some general improvements for the garden next season and the first improvement is that we really have to put up a fence to keep out the groundhogs, the porcupines and the deer. Um, I, I mean, we have lost all of the brassicas, so all the cabbages, all the kale, all the um, broccoli, all of the cauliflower, um, all of that got eaten by the deer, as did the, the beets, the chard and the lettuces. Um, and we have been sharing tomatoes with the critters as well. So having a fence up is going to help keep those out. Um, the other general improvement, and this is one that my husband is not going to want to hear, and that is that I really need to be starting more plants indoors and earlier. Now with some of the more hardy and cold tolerant veggies like the cabbage and the kale, I'm going to be able to do winter sowing for those. And paired with the fence, we might actually have them grow into something when planted early in the season rather than just being eaten. Um, but the usual indoor starts like peppers, okra, eggplant, tomatoes, I'm probably going to be starting some of those a lot earlier. Um, onions are another thing I'm going to be uh, trying to um, figure out how those grew or how to grow those a little better because they did not fare very well um, in my garden. I think a lot of that was due to the watering issue. Um, but I think um, if I can at least start things like the peppers and the eggplant um, and okra a few weeks earlier than what I normally would have started them, um, that would be better. So I've got more robust plants, bigger plants going outside um, I'm also going to need to be starting squashes cucumbers melons watermelons and even corn indoors to transplant outside um, that's where my neighbors had you know good successes they were transplanting a lot of stuff and they had much bigger plants that were going outside after that risk of frost um, they did a lot of their hardening off on a porch on a sheltered porch um, so if we can kind of find a better place to have our plants go um, through that hardening off process because um, the back side of my house is north facing um, so that wasn't you know a good place for them to be it's also kind of like a giant wind catch however I do have a porch area that is on you know the the south side and it is sheltered in there because it's like a throughway um to the the wood shop um so that might be a good place for me to harden some things off during the day um but we'll, we'll figure that out later 
you know, probably uh, in late spring when we need them to do that. Um, so luckily having a um, seed saving, not seed saving, a seed starting schedule, that is going to help because I can increase the number of weeks before the frost for a particular plant. And I can set the timings for how my climate and my garden needs things to grow. Um, so for instance, where I've got um, start my... I don't know, let's say uh, my peppers I have starting eight weeks before the frost. I might move that to 12 weeks before the frost. So I've got an extra, you know, four weeks of growth um, before those plants are going to be going out. Now, it does take a little bit more, um, you know, a, a bit more time on your part because you're going to have to transplant things out of your seed module into a small container and then into another bigger container um, like plastic cups and things work very well for that um, but we're going to have to do a little bit more of that however the payoff is that I've got bigger plants that are going out and they're more likely to be producing you know throughout the season um and stuff so we'll see how how that works um but if um you haven't seen that video um i put it up um on youtube and i will put a link in the podcast description for that um it does take time to put together a seed starting schedule um and it isn't it honestly isn't the most enjoyable homesteading task it can be a little boring I mean you're working with a spreadsheet you know you're having to look at all your seed packets and stuff and you know do some searches while you're doing it but the payoff is that it's going to help you be organized for your next season um, so it can really kind of help with honing in like what you're needing to be planting when um, when things need to go out when you can re-sow and all that good stuff so um, I definitely think it is an asset to my homestead and really helps me keep on top of things especially when you're busy doing work and everything else so let me know over in the facebook group what grew well for you and what didn't grow well for you and what some of your changes for your next gardening season will be for your homestead garden until next time i hope your garden grows beautifully and i'll see you all next week hopefully with a better voice <laughs> Until then, have a wonderful week and I'll talk to you all soon.